Blog Talk Radio. Kick the dust up.
Mm, gosh, you know, same old, same old. I live in Spokane, Washington, and there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of controversy going on in my hometown, but we won't bring that up. Uh, no, picking off here's here's one thing I'd like to talk about is that is anybody else just waking up to the fact that it is the middle of June? Uh, it's, I'm looking at my summer schedule, and I've got a whole lot of weeks that are still open to be to be filled up. I don't know how the summer just absolutely came upon me all of a sudden. I wasn't I'm not quite ready for that. How about you? Um, not even a little bit. Well, I have to tell you, I do enjoy my mornings drinking my coffee out on my back deck um, before I start my work day. It's kind of my own little sanctuary out there, but it just uh, it feels so good to be outside and not be bundled up in the house and blah. I want to move where it's warm. Mm, that's for sure. Well, I have warmth here. We have a great summer where I'm from, and um, we have lots of lakes around us, and then we have the four seasons, beautiful winters here, although this last winter, not much snow, and this is the winter I decided to buy new ski equipment, which I used exactly two times, so there we go. Yes, now, you're in, in Washington, is that, does that get really cold in the wintertime, or is that kind of not as cold as the rest of the country thinks? We're, we're on the east, I'm on the east side, uh, eastern side of Washington State. So we're not Seattle rainy. We get four okay. seasons and we generally get really nice winters here. But while everyone else is having huge snowstorms on the East Coast, we had very little snow and we're suffering from it right now. Our water levels are really, really, really low. Oh, I see, I see. Um, well, that's good. I did um, have one little thing that I wanted to talk about. Somebody had – I consider this to be kind of a, a spiritual show. Um, and I had a, a, a friend um, ask me the other day for some help. Um, her, She sent me an email, and she said, I need healing, protective energy. How do I go about protecting myself from others um, that might be trying to hurt me or my family, psychic and spiritual attacks? Um I really think that in some ways some of the psychic and spiritual attacks that people receive or think they're getting is sometimes made up, sometimes maybe not as big of a deal as we make it. Um, and I'm not saying in any way that this person is making anything up, um, but everything is energy, and you have to pick what you're going to give energy to. So if, if somebody's giving you a hard time or... Um, bothering you or is always negative or they feel like they're they're like an energy vampire and draining you down, you have to really just take control of your own time, your own energy, and pull pull it back because that that energy is yours. You're in control of that. Pull that back, control it, and just be careful who you give it to. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that, TJ? You know what? The first thought that came to mind on that was that I – um, I think it would be great if you could offer up some tools for people to do that. You know, because sometimes I think the way, what you're talking about is maybe people are experiencing a bad vibration, uh, that they, you know, get a bad vibe or something, not maybe necessarily being attacked, but, they're, but they are sensing the energy um, that could be there. And that whole, you know, draining piece, I've experienced that for sure when I'm around certain people that can just drain the energy out of a room. But if you yep. have some tools you could share with us, that would be great. Um, well, some, the biggest tool is to, <laughs> like I said, limit your exposure to those people. Uh, an energy, uh, for lack of a better word, an energy vampire is someone that actually can be a friend. It can be a coworker. It can be uh, a spouse or somebody, you know, that's a neighbor. It could be a neighbor that, that every time you walk out of your house, they're standing there looking at you and you feel like they're sucking your energy dry. Um, You just have to be in control of that. Um, You can't let anybody take your own energy because that's what they want your, it's called light, and they want your light because they don't have, they're lacking that themselves in a lot of cases. Um, If you've ever been anywhere and, and people are always touching you, they're actually taking your energy and taking your light. They're not doing it on purpose. They don't even probably know they're doing it. But they're lacking that, so they're they're just kind of feeding off of you in, in some ways, if that makes um, any sense. 
Well, let me ask you this. So can you be like instead of an energy um, drainer, can you be an energy giver? Because I'm a touchy-feely hugger kind of person. And I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I think I have high energy. You know, I, yes, yeah, I think I yes, come from can, a place. Yes, you can, and that's perfect that you, that you said that. Um, and a lot of people, what happens is being a giver is sometimes people take advantage of that. So you give a little bit, and then, then they want a little bit more. And they kind of almost, in some ways, expect you to give them a little bit more. So you have to, again, control how much you're willing to give to other people. Hugging is, is great. Um, you can also do one other thing, which is if somebody is uh, bothering you or, or maybe they're considered even an enemy of yourself, one of the things that I would recommend is <clears throat> rather than throw – uh, darts at those people and put a black cloud over their head is actually to surround them in white light. Um, visualize that person in white light. And, and then what that does is it does two things. It's a good karma for you because you're not sending out negative energy. You're sending out positive energy. And now that's going to come back to you. And the other thing is white light is healing energy, and you're actually healing the other person. And I've actually witnessed one of my own adversaries in, uh, from a, a, an old job I used to have, and this person actually didn't know I was sending them white light and immediately started talking to me as if nothing was wrong. And I'm a, the type of, type of person that would rather have a friend than an enemy. And so it was just my true first experience with actually sending white light to somebody, and that person actually in some ways was healed. So did it change how he behaved in the workplace too? Yes, it changed. I I used to um it used to bother me even being 50 feet away from this person or 100 feet away from this person just knowing they were there and it was my fault. I was allowing I was allowing him to bother me. And so I uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I I actually went to um, I was trying everything, by the way, to avoid this person. I, I was surrounding myself in white light. I was imagining myself in a, a you know a bulletproof shield, you know, uh, you know, like a cloak, and nothing was working. And one day I went to Barnes and Noble and I saw a book called Lightworker. I reached in, I found oh, I found this book called Lightworker, and I was like, oh, I, I'm a lightworker. I, I'm gonna hold on to this book. I might get it. And I'm walking by, and I look, and there's two other books, the same exact book that said Lightworker. So I put that book back, and now there's three books. They're all the same books, say Lightworker. And then I rub my hand over top of all three books, and I picked one of the books, and I bought it. The next day, I went out mm-hmm. to go read it at lunch for, from work, and the first 39 pages were missing from the book. So I was like, are you kidding me? I, I bought a book with 39 pages missing. So I, I brought it back to the bookstore. I um, exchanged it for another book. I, I got back to work, and before I did, I called one of my friends who's someone that I go to for spiritual help, and I, I told them about what happened, and she said, Walt, what does page 39 say? And I go, oh, I didn't think of that. And page 39 said, add light to your darkness. And so I oh, added wow. light to my darkness, and it totally transformed our relationship just from that simple maybe huh. 30 seconds a minute i actually felt better doing it like it was almost as if i was creating peace in myself which mm. that goes a long way <laughs> oh wow that gives me goosebumps quite honestly gosh thank you for sharing that <laughs> you're welcome uh- Hey, we've got, it looks like we're at 14 minutes into the show right now. I'm going to play a quick little um, piece about the Awakening collection that Dr. Kimberly has on, and we've got our amazing guest that's going to be with us in a few moments. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump right into that. If that's okay with you, Walt, we'll, we'll play um, a piece about the Awakening collection. How does that sound? It would be so awesome. Okay, here we go. We're excited to announce our new monthly program, The Awakening Collection. 
This is an exciting community where powerful tools are delivered to you on an ongoing basis to help you continue to grow and expand on your beautiful journey. With this subscription, you'll be receiving two new powerful frequency tracks each month, both as an MP3 as well as our new visual version. You'll also be on the first to know list about any of our new programs or courses and receive an amazing 20% loyalty discount when you sign up directly from the Dr. Kimberly McGeorge site. You'll also receive 20% off select products, old and new, as well as 10% off personal sessions with Dr. Kimberly. There will be an exclusive live monthly awakening call for the community, as well as little surprise bonuses here and there. The monthly subscription price is $67, but for all of our Secret to Everything listeners on this call now, you will receive a $10 a month discount for life. If you sign up today at www.awakeningcollection.com, use the discount code SECRET, all in capital letters. We'll see you there. All right, yeah, that was pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited about that. Are you an Awakening Club member? I'm sure the the correct response is yes, but have you signned up for that? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, I know. I've already played some of the MP3s that are in there. I'm excited about that. Now, one thing I do want to bring up before we have our guest on is the course that Dr. Kimberly has coming up. Um, it will air live tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. This is a three-hour intensive class with extensive Q&A handouts and three MP3s plus more. She has two powerful live processes that will happen during the call. We're going to discover how our gut health is tied to our intuition, We're going to learn how to open up our ability to read energy, how to heal IBS, depression, eczema, and much more. In other words, there's lots of secrets about this area that she's going to be sharing with us. So, and also with the Awakening Collection, I do want to just um, encourage everyone to take advantage of the promo code SECRET to sign up for the discount. And that discount applies for for the entire time that you're a member of the Awakening Collection. That's all I want to say about that, Walt. All right, great, Ben. It looks like we are very excited to welcome war veteran Gordon Ewell to The Secret to Everything. Gordon is currently an author, public speaker, and dedicated volunteer. He is also a permanently disabled American veteran. Currently, he has four books in publication with another soon to be released. In addition, he is working on a children's book, doing more artwork and public speaking. Along with his volunteer work, he enjoys being a member of many veteran service organizations. He's still traveling down his recovery road after being blown up in a vehicle by roadside bombs in Iraq six different times. He is heavily involved with supporting our American military servicemen and women, our wounded warriors, hospitalized soldiers, veterans, and issues and programs that support them. Throughout his outstanding military career, he has served in key positions as training and administration specialist, supply sergeant, combat engineer squad leader, and also personal section sergeant. So with that, welcome Mr. Gordon Ewell. Hey, Gordon, welcome. You're live. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes we yes, can, we hear, can you. hear you fine. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm honored. <laughs> we're, we're honored to have you, uh, and thank you for your service. So, um, so Gordon, I, uh, after reading um, some, some stuff about you, uh, being uh, blown up, six times by roadside bombs. I mean, that's pretty uh, uh, incredible. That, that, uh, that, that's correct. In uh, uh, 2006, when I was in, at the, in war in Iraq, my job was to, to find it. I worked in the first explosive hazard coordination cell for the multinational corps commander, the commander over general overall, the uh, 29 countries that had, had coalition forces there, and my job my job was to uh, 
find the roadside bombs and, and uh, improvise explosive devices, IEDs is what we called them. My job was to was to find them, to, to train the teams that were coming in that, that had that mission of uh, route clearance of looking for the bombs and making sure they had all the equipment uh, that they needed to, to be successful in doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, but how do you how do you find how do you find a bomb? Uh, I, uh, uh, after I got got blown up six times, uh, <laughs> somebody told me there was a better way to do it than to just walk up and down the sidewalk stomping your foot with your fingers in your ears, which I, I was doing at first. So. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey. <laughs> I was hoping, but hey, you never know, right, Gordon? Uh, basically, we had some uh, route clearance teams. They had, they'd have uh, four or five special vehicles. Uh, basically, they had a little more armor on them uh, than the Humvees, uh, than a normal transportation vehicle of the troops. And... Uh, and basically, they just drive really slow, and uh, my expertise was in how the enemy made the bombs and hid the bombs, disguised them. They, they, it was a big cat and mouse game, so to speak. They they would come up with creative ways of hiding the bombs. That that um, it was just just unreal, and <laughs> you'd basically. We just drive really slow at night and and during the day, but before the morning commute, commuters, the Iraqi civilians are out, and uh, before our our convoys were our foot patrols were, were were going to go somewhere, we went down the roads first, tried to make sure there were no no bombs out for them. Well, now did would, you good? Oh, I was, I was just going to say, uh, they would do they would do things like take a manhole cover. And I remember one time in Fallujah, they went and stole all the manhole covers. And then they what they would do is they'd take one manhole cover and they'd spread plastic explosives over the top of it, and then put another manhole cover over the top of that. So if you think about an Oreo cookie. Mm-hmm. With the manhole covers being the outside and the plastic explosive being the cream filling, they they had cut the bottoms out of an old car, and then they'd go to a body and drive over the top of a of a manhole cover, and then in about fifteen seconds they could pull that cover off and put their Oreo cookie manhole cover. They'd pour a little sand around the edges where the lip stuck up a little bit and cover that with oil so it kind of blended in with the asphalt. But if somebody made the mistake of driving over the top of it, they they would uh, detonate that plastic explosive and it would blow that big manhole cover right up through the bottom of a vehicle. In fact, it would tear a vehicle right in half. Well, now did you... I would, and I'm, I'm only uh, assuming I, I was never in uh, in the military... Uh, but did you feel that maybe you developed sort of a a gift or a sense that you could almost just come to an area and say this is not a good area, um, sort of uh, like empathically know that this is not going to be good, and to look extra hard or or to almost know exactly what you're what you're doing before you get there. I I truly I truly personally believe that. That everyone has a, a sixth sense, if you will. That that everyone at any time could could get a gut instinct, for lack of a better word. And th- these route clearance teams usually uh, would be uh, just uh, four four vehicles, twelve or fourteen men uh, in them. And when I'd go out with them, I'd, I'd tell them just that. And it doesn't matter what your rank is, whether you're a private or whether you're a a, a captain 
if they, if anybody at any time gets a gut a gut instinct or a gut feeling that something just just isn't right, that something's probably not right, and to get on the radio and say, "Hey, I just don't feel good," yeah, 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 everybody. And we'd stop it and pay more attention. And nine times out of ten, there was a reason for it. We'd find a bomb. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I ask is I used to um, have a job in a in a in a, in sort of a bad area. Um, I used to deliver um, pastries and cakes and stuff in in a, a bad area. And I would know before I got to a store that that this was not a good <laughs> a good place to be. And I, sometimes I wouldn't even go. I would just be able to sense that that there was something wrong. I didn't know that it was actually a, a true sense. You know what I mean? Like like you're just, you know, like you're saying. But it's. Um, uh, I that. Yeah, I tr- I truly believe that. Uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, we we didn't have the choice of not going of not going when we were given a route. We had to we had to get from point A to point B regardless, and. Mm-hmm. But one thing that people don't don't really understand if they heard if they heard anything at all on TV about the war at that time, it, it might have been that a bomb went off and killed and killed a, a couple of soldiers. Mm-hmm. If there was any more than that, much more than that talked about, I'd be be surprised. But what but what people don't really understand is that. At that time, we were finding we, we were having about 3,100 bomb incidents a month. Wow! Uh, an, in, an incident being either a bomb we found uh, or a bomb that the insurgents sent off that set off a bomb that went bang. Uh, when the bomb went off, a lot of people think, "Well, that's just the event." Uh, uh, some car, some uh, military equipment was driving by, and a bomb went off. Uh-huh. But the reality is, it, it's just an ambush. And when the bomb goes off, the bomb's not the event or the end of the event. The bomb's just the beginning of the event because then you've got a blown-up vehicle that's stopped, and then anything behind it is stopped, mm-hmm. and when everything's standing still. And it makes for good stationary targets, and that's when they would start shooting their rocket-propelled grenades, their grenade launchers, shooting their AK-47s, throwing rocks at you. I guess basically, if that's what they had, but anything they had, they'd throw at you. Yeah. They'd shoot at you, and you'd be in, you would be in a, in a, in a, in a battle, and until that battle ended. Uh, well, let me ask you this: when, when, when you were hit, I mean, you were hit six times by bombs. How, how far apart were those incidences? And it, like the first incident happened, and then you went back into the the war zone again. Is that how, yeah. how it works? Uh, uh, each time, each time, uh, it it would it, it would. There would be the uh, a couple of uh, couple of times there was uh, I, w- I was there for a year. A couple of times there was a month in between events. Uh, that and a uh, uh, couple of times there were just a couple of weeks. But if it w- there were six times that my, the vehicle that I was riding riding in was directly hit by a bomb mm-hmm. within ten. But there was, if it wasn't my vehicle getting hit, it might be the vehicle in front of me or the vehicle behind me. A lot of times when we found a bomb, uh, if it was in a rural area or in an area that was, was, uh, where the bomb wasn't a threat to the local populace, to the the civilians, sometimes we'd just blow the bomb up in place. And what we didn't know at the time, we knew how to do the calculations so that we could get back far enough uh, so shrapnel wasn't a threat to us. But a lot of times you could still feel the concussion from that blast wave. 
And what we didn't realize was that this repeated exposure to blast waves themselves even was causing, over time, internal damage uh, or some brain damage to some of the individuals that just had repeated exposure to the blast waves. So that's one thing that we've learned and have increased, you know, the distances that we'd stand off from the bomb sent to allow not only to be back far enough so shrapnel wasn't a threat, but so the blast waves were were not a threat as well. Did you you, uh, ever, were you... Um, in any of those instances, were you close to um, dying? Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, my, uh, the last, uh, I broke my neck. Uh, that, 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 yes, I think several times I felt like I was. Did you did you have any um visions or any near death experiences um in, in any of those moments? Uh I don't remember having a lot of good experiences, to tell you the truth. But but it wasn't unusual. It wasn't unusual to find we were flying in the country that we were finding over a hundred bombs a day. Every day. Every day. Teams were good and we'd find we'd find 92, you know, about 92% of, of those bombs, but those other 8%, they were just did so much damage. They were always, uh, I mean, just horrific wounds. Um, at the more, more ampute, the longest war in American history, and there are more, more, more amputees than this from the Civil War. Um, these, these kids that were getting hurt are so young uh, you know, not to buy a beer yet. But, what? Um, they're going to live for another sixty or another sixty years as a double amputee or a triple amputee, or a, uh, paralyzed from the neck down with our technology. See, they're they're going to live live so long that that's what, that's what the real the real heartbreaker is to me. In fact, I I would say that. The day, the day that, that that soldier got wounded, got blown up, got hurt in the war, was the day that war ended. But I like to to refer to the war after the war. And right, right, right. It's just beginning in in some aspects. Do you um you you said that uh, you do a lot of advocacy work for veterans? Um, what is if you could make one change uh, for veterans or veterans' rights or whatever, what would that be? The PTSD, I think, is is, is probably the signature wound of this war, that and traumatic brain injuries. Right now, every single day, every single day, uh, a man, the, the government says 22 veterans a day are committing suicide. Uh, there are some reports that have data to support that that number is as high as 56 a day. Mm-hmm. That's every single day. I have, I have a grandfather clock that would chime on the hour. I had to turn turn the chime off because every time it chimed, I would think, oh, I just lost another brother or sister to suicide. Mm-hmm. There's been more more soldiers that have taken their own life and were killed by the enemy in ten years of war. And right. So so that that primarily is what I do when I go around the country or trying to raise money for uh, awareness or for groups or organizations that uh, want to take take those individuals and their families and help them understand what's going on, help help kind of uh, deprogram them, help uh, get them some help so that they uh, don't become a, a suicide statistic, basically. Uh, so you would like to see more, uh, more after uh, war care psychologically for, for a lot of these veterans? 
Yes, sir. That's yes, okay. they, yes, they just they some of them in ten years of war. So after nine eleven, a lot of kids joined out of high school. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of men and women joined. Uh, uh, in the, they needed to go help fight this war on terrorism, and uh, a, a lot of these. A lot of these soldiers have been been deployed four, five, six, six times. And to think that you know that, that some that some of these soldiers have spent six or seven out of the last twelve years in a war zone, where they're mm-hmm. basically waking up every day thinking that, that it could be their last. How long is one tour in in a war zone? How how long is that usually? Uh, the the army, the army had a policy of, of one year boots on ground. So if you were in the army and were were deployed, you would spend one year in, in Iraq or Afghanistan. Okay. So some of these that were deployed six times have been have spent years in a war zone and then uh, get discharged or hurt and. Pretty much just thrown back in society and said, and now function as a civilian, and and yeah, um, it, it just doesn't work without some without some uh, some specialized medical care and and counseling and some treatment to to help them and their families great successfully. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done any uh, lobbying in Washington for for more help for veterans? Uh, I, I I I lobby anywhere and anywhere I can get it get get somebody <laughs> to listen to me. <laughs> right. Uh, I I truly do. Uh, I go across the country and with the books that I've written written I I hope that uh, I hope that it, it's helped someone. I I tell everybody if we could all just reach one. It would make a difference, and there's yeah, not a short that 22 or 56, whatever number you wanted, uh, using the lowest number at 22 a day, every single day, in and day out. There's not a shortage of of, of veterans that need help. Right, right, right. Um, now you are you've written uh, it looks like four books, and yes, you've sir. also written um, a children's book. And could you tell me a little bit about the children's book that you have written? Uh, uh, Are you working on that children's book now? No, but what? yeah, but but it was a lot. It's it, I can say I enjoyed writing about uh, something uh, other than war. Uh, two, two of my books are are just just fun. The Gordyisms. Uh, you can just pick. You can just pick up and let the book flop open any page, and hopefully just read a read a quote or two that will make you giggle, make you laugh, make you smile, just just give you a feel good. Right. And the first the first two books, well, one was about dealing with war, uh, before, during, and after through poetry, and and the second. Uh, a lifetime at war, which which just this year won the Eric Kaufman Award for for excellence in literature. Um, wow, good! Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a chapter. <laughs> um, it takes it takes a person right from the moment a medic medic puts their hands on them on the battlefield, uh, all the all the steps they take to get back home and get integrated back into society. Right. Um. Now. Just uh, thank thank you for for sharing all that. Um, if anybody would like to ask um, Mr. Ewell if he has any questions, or if you have any questions for Mr. Ewell, I should say, you can uh, call into the show. The phone number is three four seven five three nine five two seven seven. That's three four seven five three five three nine five two seven seven. appreciate you your, your time and let me. Uh, be a voice on your on your show t- today. I know you, you help so many in so many ways, and I 
I thank you all for what you do. Well, Gordon, we appreciate, you know, (laughs) this is only a minor thing that we can do to help you spread the word. Um, You've you've given a lot more of a sacrifice than our, you know, hour, (laughs) two hours, whatever. Um, Now, is there, my my other question to you would be, uh, if you could invent one thing uh, during during the the fighting of a, of a war, what, what what would that be? If there was one one thing that I could invent, to, mm-hmm. to... one thing that would make make things easier, or and I don't make, know, I don't know why I'm make, asking this question. I I think it's more of a. a um, uh, like uh, you're, you're would... out in the, in the combat zone, and if you said, I, "If only we had a way to do this, or only only we had a way to do that, or protect this, or save that," what would that be? Uh, I wish I could invent a way for for ever for not just soldiers. Sol- soldiers don't want to fight. Don't soldiers. Soldiers don't think wars are 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 hate hate anybody. You don't wake up in the morning and go, mm, you don't like people in Iraq. Let's go kick some butt. No, they just go where they're told to and when they're told to. And uh, just like a law enforcement officer, I don't believe one wakes up in the morning and goes, man, I hope there's some, hope there's a bank robbery today or a firefight I can get into or a domestic violence I can get in the middle of. You know, I think, think they they hope they have a good day at the office. They don't have to. So if there was anything I could invent, I think it, it would be a, a cloak that people could put it, a coat that people could wear that would warm their hearts and and uh, make them want to spread 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 kindness. Right. Uh, I I believe in that too. Um. Now, what what type of injuries did you sustain, and how do you feel that those injuries have impacted the work that you're doing now? The injuries that I deal with. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm legally blind. That's a challenge. I I I I, am, I, I lost one eye, and I have actually. Uh, Physically lost one eye. Out of the other, out of the other, I can see an area about the size of a of a, of a tea saucer. But but uh, you know I don't complain because I know, I know the person that is truly blind would give anything to see that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm legally deaf. I had to have a cochlear implant, so I can hear out of one of my ears. Um, uh, pretty well. I, I don't don't complain about that because again the person that's truly deaf give anything to hear a little bit out of one ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was with my brain injury there was a lot of uh, neurological damage. I have trouble walking. Uh, uh, of all the things my brain decided to hate, it couldn't hate my big toe or my left thumb. It decided it didn't. It wasn't going to bladder anymore. That, that that they weren't going to speak, and so I have to self cast every day, use a catheter every day to drain to drain my bladder. Mm-hmm. That, that that's a nuisance. That, that's something I, I don't think I'll ever get used to. Uh but I don't complain because I got a real, 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 real quick story, real quick. Uh when I thought somebody was paralyzed, uh I thought I just meant their legs didn't work or their arms didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't wasn't until I was in a polytrauma unit uh in Palo Alto, California. You got to be pretty messed up to go to a polytrauma unit. There's only one in the Department of Defense, and all hundred DAs. There's only there's there's only four that have that designator. And of all the all the hospitals in the, in the entire country, there's only 114 that have a polytrauma designator. So you got to be you got to have multiple life-threatening injuries to even be sent to one. But I was in this talking talking to a friend that was paralyzed from the neck down. And I remember a nurse coming in, and not to be graphic, but tried to find you and rolled my friend over and took a stainless steel spoon and put it in some jelly and started cleaning out his backside. 
And it wasn't until then that I realized being paralyzed meant often that your insides don't work either. So I, whenever I find myself complaining about ru- running a latex up the front side to drain my bladder, I immediately step on one of my toes and, and thank the Lord that no one's taking a stainless steel spoon every day and cleaning out my backside. Mm-hmm. That's some of the things that, it's not some of the serious injuries that these soldiers have to look forward to for the next 60 years. Yes. Oh, and and enough, isn't, enough credit isn't given to them either, sadly. Um, yeah, it's, it does change your perspective as to, you know, do you think you have a bad day? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you have a flat on your car and, and yeah, you're just talking about how terrible your life is um, until you really experience what you have to experience and what others had uh, you really don't know what a bad day is. Uh, so I thank you again, Gordon, for that, for sharing that information. You bet. Uh, I, they're truly, uh, I mean, uh, not to not to sound not to sound cliche, but uh, but truly, you know, so there's always somebody that has it worse. Uh, and if we could just keep our eyes open and try to make somebody else's day better, even if it even if just by smiling, smiling, giving a, the cashier clerk at the grocery store while you're waiting in line and everybody else is impatient and they're having a bad day, and if you could be the one person to smile at them and let them know, hey, you don't mind standing there for the next few seconds and make somebody <laughs> say, true. Very true. You know, day, it, it does, and that's what it's all about. Not easy. A kind word, letting the car, letting the car in a hurry, uh, cut in front of you. A uh, little bit of patience, casting a smile. Yes, it's uh, it's funny you said that. Uh, when I was a young kid, there was a car. Um, it was raining out, and there was a car on next to me, and he was trying to 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 beat me through the light. And I started to drive through the light to to um, to to beat him, <laughs> but I decided to let him go. And <laughs> as he was driving up, it was we were going over a hill and it was raining out. Um, in front of us was like a five car accident, and that guy ran right into it. And and somehow all these cars are 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 like spinning around, and my car drove right through the center of it, <laughs> all because I I. I had some patience, <laughs> you know. It's, it's something that's that you have to learn because it's it's tough. <laughs> but it was a good a good awakening for me. <laughs> uh, that's that, that that sure could have been you right in the middle of that accident. It, yeah. Without a bit of patience, no doubt about it. And 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 boy, so many so many of us could avoid accidents or or trauma or uh, even just a you know a bad day from a bad decision if we just took a couple of extra seconds to think about it or to have a, exercise a little patience boy it would make mm-hmm. you know um we had talked a little bit before you you come on about uh people having light and and how other people try to take their light and and Gordon you have light and and I don't want you to take this the wrong way but those six times that you were in in those you know those bad accidents in Iraq um, happened for a reason, and and you're really helping other people uh, change their lives and make their lives better because of what you had to go through. And so uh, again, <laughs> again, I hope, I hope I don't sound you know cliche, but thank you again. Um, you know everything does happen for a reason, and your 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 tragedy has made you uh, a, a beautiful soul, and now you're helping other people because of that. Uh, I heard I, I I was fortunate to be able to hear what you were saying about about uh, uh, the white light. I, I certainly believe that. 
Um, I, I think we, I think we, I think we were gifted some light for a reason. And yeah, we and were able to give it to others. <laughs> we let it shine. We let it shine on others. Yes, uh, it's our, it's, our it's, it's just that much stronger. Yeah, uh, I have a question for you, and I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, <laughs> but how do you feel your life would have been if you never went into the military? Uh, I spent 24 years in the military, so really that was all I knew. I wanted to, to stay for 30, but, but after that last time I was blown up, the, the Army pretty, pretty much said, Gordy, you're so broke, we don't even think you'll be able to lick a stamp for us in the future to buy. And that was wow. hard for me. That was hard. That was hard for me because I didn't know anything else but soldiering. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how how is the care that you're getting now that you're not um, in the army? I truly don't. I truly don't know what it would have been like because uh, uh, it was my life, and and the hardest thing for me was was trying to trying to move on uh, and put that life behind me. And I get I guess I didn't didn't quite do that all the way because I I saturated myself with um trying to be my brother's keeper, so to speak, look out for look for those that couldn't speak for themselves and going to the hospital and visit visiting uh, soldiers that were uh, you know, didn't didn't have people visiting them and could use a pick me up or or trying mm-hmm. to Talk talk to legislators and congressional representatives about projects or programs that needed to be funded that could help um, brothers and sisters that were worse off than I. And um, so that's it. pretty much what I do today. Is is I'm very active in many many uh, veteran service organizations and are trying to help these soldiers reintegrate back into society successfully and see if we can't curb these horrific uh, suicide numbers and horrible, uh, these these astronomical divorce rates among military families and and, uh, get get them functioning productively in society again. Everyone has to be so productive. And, And even if you, even... If you can't walk or talk or there's there's always something something that you you can do to to be a productive part of society. Mm, I agree with that. Finding what that just finding what that is 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 what the secret is. Right now, um, I like I said, I was never in the military. I was never in war, um, but. I did go see uh, the movie American Sniper, um, and it was quite uh, intense, and it was actually a very good movie. Um, from, uh, I'm assuming you would have seen it, <laughs> and if you have, what are your thoughts on that movie? Yeah, I have, and I, I, I think I think Clint Eastwood did an ex- excellent job in in capturing. Uh, not not only what what uh, what it was like at the time, but what it was like, what was going on at the home front with the, for these deployed soldiers when they were coming home, and and how difficult it it was to reiterate reiterate get reestablished back with their families again. I thought I thought it was very very accurate. Very true, accurate. I think that's one of the things that they're struggling with most is is kind of a loss of identity, and kind of a uh, they've been wounded and uh, are discharged from from the service. Uh, I think I think the recovery roads are very long and arduous. Uh, I. I think I think when they uh, are 
back on the ground on their own, so to speak, out in the world. I think it's kind of a big, scary place for them, and they don't really know where to, to where to begin. Or I think a lot, a lot, I think a lot of them turn to drugs or alcohol, and uh, to numb their pain or to escape escape uh, a world they don't feel like they really fit into. Uh, I think I'm struggling uh, with issues you like know, that. You uh, know how many um, veterans yeah. ha- are homeless? Uh, I'm sorry? Do you know how many veterans are, are homeless after after serving in, in war? Or uh, I think I think one number has it as high as 6.8 million. That wow. there there are not um, um, that, that's just that's not just from Iraq and Afghanistan, but I think that, that, that veterans from veterans from 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 any war. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that. I think that there are about 160,000 diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed uh, during the um, they they pointed that out during the the show, uh, the American Sniper movie that um, there was somebody. Uh, I think he was getting his, his tires rotated or something. He was in a service shop and they were making noises and he he was like. Having these flashbacks, um, do you yeah. think? Do you think that it should be mandatory for all uh, servicemen coming and women coming out of the military who have been in in combat to seek uh, psychiatric help, even if they don't need it, or they say they don't? I should say. Yeah, yes, indeed. But uh, um, I, I also I also think that um, that the pro uh, I also think it's bigger than than um, a problem bigger than just for the Department of Defense, so to speak. That uh, the military the military's in the in the business of 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 building warriors. I mean, from from the day somebody goes to basic training, they strip you down. They worry about physically, mentally, and build you up. Uh, and turn you into a warrior, a fighting machine, which is what America wants. America wants a strong military. That's when they're called up to when they're called up to go fight. They want to know that they've got the strongest and the best fighting for them. But what what they really what they really lack, and you're right, is is the deprogramming. I guess you'd say, or the the turning that process around, and and I think, I think as America, as a, as a country, uh, in in general, uh, we we all bear a little bit of that responsibility to to whether whether it's the military that sets up a program or whether it's a, a the Veterans Administration or our, our, our private end enterprise. Uh, I, yes, I, I yes, I do agree. I do think that that every every one of them should have so, so many hours or so many days or weeks or should have some I agree with you. training and retraining. Um. Uh, hey, Walt. I'm just looking yeah. at the time. Walt, I'm just looking at the time, and I don't want to. Um, don't want to have everything shut off mid-sentence. So uh, we're no, at one uh, minute. How can we, uh, first of all, how can we get a hold of you? Um, how can we, do you have a website? And um, and then uh, tell us about your books, and um, we won't keep you too long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, um, the, the, my books are all available uh, through Barnes & Noble, through Amazon, and uh, your 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 favorite online bookstore or or um Traff- Trafford Publishing, uh even on uh, um, 
at my own website, uh, com. If a book is ordered from there, uh, I personally personally put a message and sign every one of them that go out. Uh, all the proceeds from books purchased through my website uh, go go to help wounded warrior programs, help their families, help the kids of those that have lost a parent to the war on terrorism. Uh, they're available everywhere. Well, Gordon, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your your time tonight on the uh, Secret to Everything. Um, and um, we appreciate you being on, and we appreciate your service. Well, uh, thank you. That means a lot to me. And once again, I, I just want to say I'm honored to be a guest, and and thank you for all you do. Uh, truly. Uh, Sharing the secrets to everything that can make uh, people's lives better if they if they just tune in and and listen to what you have to share with them. I, I sure appreciate all that you do. Well, thank Thanks, you. Great to hear you talk. I appreciate that. Thank you so much again, and thank thank you to all your listeners as well. All right. Bye bye. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye, Gordy. Well, wow, TJ, that, that was, was really pretty, interesting. Uh, <laughs> it was intense, and and as I was sitting here, um, I just it, just one question came to to me after another. I mean, I just I just needed to know more about what he, his experiences were, and just truly an amazing uh, human being. Um, but uh, I guess, do you want to talk about uh, anything else about um, Dr. Kim's things that she has going on, or? I guess we, you know, we touched upon uh, the Awakening Collection. Go to awakeningcollection.com, and tomorrow we have the Gut Feeling class that will start at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to KimberlyMcGeorge.com to find out how you can sign up for the newsletter, how you can sign up for that class, and uh, all things Kimberly are on, are on KimberlyMcGeorge.com. Yes. Um, also, she she does have a uh, a Twitter page, Serene Wellness, um, and she has, uh, like you said, KimberlyMcGeorge.com. She's also on Facebook, Kimberly McGeorge uh, on Facebook. Um, and if you'd like to get a hold of me, I have a website, GotSpirits.org. I'm also on Instagram, Coffee and Spirits, and Twitter, Ghost Hunter Wall. And uh, I don't know, TJ, if you have any you would like to share about how they can contact you or we can uh, you, wrap this show up you, you, you know me Walt I'm under the radar so I just like showing up and <laughs> hanging like, out with like you like secret service <laughs> like CIA no one knows anything well, as, about you as always it's always always fun to do a show with you Walt Miss Kimberly and um, we will be talking with her next week sounds good All right. Bye, Walt. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Everything. You can contact Dr. Kimberly by going to our website at drkimberlymcgeorge.com, where you'll also find links to stay in touch through social media. Tune in each week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for more mind-opening episodes of The Secret to Everything. Can you see, can you hear, can you feel, something stirring from where, distant drums, sounding out, the gathering moment of, there is no question And I want to dance and sing I want to spread my wings Oh, I want to fly And I want to find The secret to everything Oh, I want to shed my skin I want to drink from the eternal spring Oh, I want to ride Oh,
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 